Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 331, Gain Staging. This morning, Matt and I get together and talk about the process and workflows of gain staging, as well as some sidebars on outboard, input, output, trims, and metering. Enjoy the show. Testing, testing. How are you, man? Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Did you recover through the week from your last? Um, yeah, I've pretty much forgotten all about it. <laughs> I had a, I had such a busy project week, all kinds of stuff going on. Just finished a mix. Had a bunch of podcast editing come in. Um, I got a narration to finish and um, talking to some clients about some more mixing projects. Yeah, it's uh, I'm all all recovered from that vacation (laughs) pause and whatever happened on it it's just a memory now (laughs) how are you man well your your hair is looking very medieval renaissance um (laughs) um it's good it's good i like it i wish my hair could get that long and and flowy so what i need like some kind of like uh, a sword a floppy hat and uh Oh, some ruffles. <laughs> I can't think of the name of the show that I, I used to watch um, last season. And I'm, oh, I'm Ghosts? Waiting. No. That was a good show. No. I, I don't think I've seen that. It's funny. Um, but it's kind of medieval and uh, swords and monsters and mm. uh, 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 witch hunter, witch. Um, oh, oh, was it based on a video game? Was it, it was it Witcher been, or maybe the Witcher? What it? What Witcher? Yeah, Witcher. Witcher. I dig that show. I started to watch that. My kids uh, said it was really good. Yeah, I like it. I just don't have <laughs> I don't have bandwidth for any new series right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I fit in a little bit of time, like uh, nine p.m. Yeah, in the evenings. Yeah. You know, if I've got some, I don't have anything I'm watching right now, so it's uh, uh, YouTube and and social for an hour. Yeah, I don't have any brain power left at that time, so it's a good time to kind of put a show on. Yeah. Although I I find that if I if I'm not doing something on the computer at the same time I'm watching a show, I kind of like <laughs> fall right asleep. <laughs> so I have to have two parts of my brain working at the time. So I'll like do website updates or some other administrative tasks or something. Yeah, while the show's on, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> so how's your week? Uh, it was good. I um, uh, still working on wrapping up uh, um, some art revisions on the uh, on the the two CD uh, disc project that I'm um, working on. So that should uh, actually be going to uh, duplication here, um, probably start on Monday. And uh, so excited about that. That puts us uh, within, I don't know, hopefully a couple weeks of production or something like that, and then get the uh, get the order back and get that over to the client and um oh let's see i got a, a couple singles coming in and then i'm uh working on uh discussions for a uh uh an album it's a i think it's an eight or nine song album cool and uh yeah yeah and then i've got a couple other things a little bit further out um maybe uh, two to three weeks out that uh um i am uh communicating with uh studios on right now yeah. 
So I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. This is the first time that I've heard you mention it. Um, what's your involvement with um, album art? Or is it simply that you're, you're waiting on it and helping coordinate all of the timing? Yeah, I coordinate. I work with the graphic artists um, and then uh, between the graphic artists, clients, and, and then uh, uh, managing the proof process and getting uh, approvals. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I take care of, uh, um, once we have approvals, both of the DDP that I create and of the, of the art, then uh, I put that package together and, and uh, deliver it to the uh, printing uh, duplicator for oh, CDs. Okay. And uh, um, anyway, so I work between uh, the CD company and the clients. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it would, it, the only other option would be to actually reproduce CDs myself. And I really no, don't no, have no, any no, no. interest in that, you know? No, so. I just figured that somebody, I, I just kind of, I mean, that's like a producer job, but I, I know we talked about this briefly the other day that um, most artists are self-producing. So, you know, so yeah. they need somebody else to no, create that sometimes. No, that's part, when, for CD orders, that's part of what I do. Okay. And it's, it's not as much... Um, uh, producing, I guess, you know, in a way it is, uh, but the artist or the, 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 the graphic artist or the, or the music artist or the producer, mm-hmm. you know, are dealing with, with their art concept, right. you know, and then, uh, I basically deal with the file management and, uh, and transfer oh, okay. and, uh, and communication that makes sense, um, to, uh, uh, facilitate getting, uh, getting the proofs, getting approvals, and tracking and documenting all that. Yeah, I meant I didn't mean from a producer producer. I meant that in the sense that a producer is often the project manager of the whole project. So uh, from a project well, manager. Well, I'm not really standpoint. a project manager, but I'm uh, I, I I am the owner of this part of the project. So right. um it's my responsibility to um uh to make sure that we have uh, approvals and I just make I get those from everybody that needs to approve things. And then mm-hmm. once we have an approved package, I deliver that package and, um, and, you know, and then we'll, we'll end up getting proofs back, you know, from art, mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. art department. Uh, and, uh, we review those. And if the final proofs are approved, then, um, then we give them the okay to go, but we're talking about a lot of numbers of, uh, of production. So if you get something wrong in this process, it, uh, it's a real bummer because you end up with however many, Oh, um, sure. Uh, you know, c- CDs or, or albums in your, <laughs> right. in your order. That 500 are CDs with a typo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so we go through this, it's a necessary, uh, it's a good thing really. Yeah. And, no, uh, it's weird though. I mean, I'm thinking of, I have a Judas priest CD, uh, sin after sin and on the CD jacket, the cover, the, um, the songs are out of order in one spot. And, uh, you know, that might've been because the album was in a different order. Oh, that's you. an interesting point. Yeah. Cause, um, albums, they have to have a certain amount of minutes per side or else it doesn't work out. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll do things like, uh, rearrange based on dynamic content of the music and mm-hmm. put uh, higher dynamic content toward the outside of the, of the album and lesser because the, uh, the, al- the vinyl media. Oh, uh, sure. It doesn't reproduce dynamics on the inside as well as it does on the outside. Yeah, yeah. It's just a it's just a physical property of vinyl. Oh, speaking of physical properties of vinyl, I heard that there's um I just heard from a friend who's getting vinyl reproduced uh through Third Man Records. Um and um he was saying that he found out something uh, what's it called? Pre echo. There's this thing where if your music's to a, a certain level, 
the grooves sometimes are cut too wide and um, they're close enough together that one groove will pick up sound vibrations for the other groove and you'll hear what's called pre-echo um, between songs you'll hear like a faint echo of the song that's about to play um, because the groove you, the, you, the you know what up. that is it, it's it's actually from the magnetic tape used in you know masters to produce the lacquer of the vinyl okay so and uh, one of the reasons that um we do tail outs on our uh, winding so when 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 you um finish recording on, on a reel mm -hmm. you leave it with the tail out um and that's because if there's any pre-echo mm -hmm. it actually becomes post-echo oh. and so the, and so you don't hear that like you do pre-echo and if you leave your your uh, the head in you know or head out, mm -hmm. then you'll get pre-echo. And what that is is magnetic transference from one layer wrapped around the reel uh, to the next. Interesting. And that creates the pre-echo. And uh, so that's over time. So if a tape's wound up for a while, the the magnetic particles from one layer of tape transfer to the next layer of tape, and you hmm. get that that pre-echo. And then that'll transfer into the vinyl. Interesting. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a magnetic tape thing, though. I see. It's all fascinating, all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but if you ever wondered why people leave their reels tape out, uh, I don't know if you've ever wondered. I have never but, wondered that. <laughs> yeah, but that that's why you know most people go, "Damn, the guy didn't rewind that for me." Well, there's a reason. So uh, I mean, I've, I've you know I've seen that on film, but um, yeah, I deal I deal almost exclusively. Or yeah, I deal pretty much exclusively with digital. Digital media, digital yeah, transfer, yeah. digital everything. So <laughs> I don't have any rewinding tapes or tape. Yeah, you know, <laughs> all these all these mediums have uh, have their own uh, characteristics and yeah. idiosyncrasies. You know, so yeah, too funny. I'm most impressed, like over time, though, with vinyl. Um, just the longevity of vinyl. Yeah, it's one of the most long. You know, if you take care of it, yeah, you could take you could give equal care to your. Uh, uh, your tapes and cassettes or reels and uh, that you do to your vinyl, but I still think vinyl will outlast um, uh, the magnetic media. Um, and, you know, and you know, I, I go and frequently um, buy old vinyl mm -hmm. and uh, it just always amazes me how good of shape, you know, the media is after, mm -hmm. you know, 30 years or whatever. Oh, yeah. oh. And, I was at Goodwill yesterday and I saw this guy who parked himself on the floor and was just going through the entire, they have a pretty good selection of vinyl at, uh, at my local Goodwill store. And, uh, he had, he had just planted himself there on the floor. This older guy was just going through record by record, <laughs> just looking for gold in there or something. I don't know what he was looking for. I was looking for books. <laughs> so anyway, that's all fascinating stuff. <laughs> he has right inhaled there. some coffee. Oh yeah. yeah. Coffee goes to the stomach. Air goes to the lungs. Yeah. I have to remind myself sometimes, too. It's funny. <laughs> After all these years, still get it wrong sometimes. Yeah. I'm going to create more edits. Well, speaking of edits, I think we were going to talk a little bit about gain staging today. Yeah, I was interested. Um, I, I, it was actually from a either a conversation or, um, or a podcast or, or both a while back. And uh, you had kind of alluded that you have um, kind of a process or workflow for gain staging that you go through. Yeah. And, you know, and I was kind of curious, uh, I thought that'd be good to maybe share as an example of, of one way 
um, to set up gain staging, you know, and, and what kind of things you're thinking of, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of this gain staging is in, in setup. Right. And then, uh, but then as you're moving through your mix, you know, I know that it's always a, a continual process of, of gain right. staging for what you're working on. But uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, I, I kind of wanted to get an idea of what you're looking at. And I might have something to add, yeah, um, you, you know, do. with regards to when you introduce uh, a, a analog outboard into that. Right, which I don't have. But um, yeah, so gain staging is the, essentially to define it, is the process of making, is is making sure that the level of your signal is, is uh correct for your project uh, gain being input level as opposed to volume which is output level right so you need to manage that from basically from the time you start recording uh and uh i don't know i'm looking at my my interface here has you know um, a meter of every time somebody says something my meter's jumping up and down if you're in the red usually there's a clipping uh light or or something that comes on even at the recording stage and if you're clipping, then you're either your gain is too high or your signal's too hot and you need to make an adjustment because if you don't have a good clean signal at the at the recording level, then that's gonna there's no fixing that later, right? So you want a good hot signal coming in. Um, it needs to be above what's called the noise floor, which uh, speaking of mediums, is not as much a concern in the digital realm for the most part because digital is so clean, almost too clean. You wanna add dirt to it later, but um, it used to be more of a concern with tape because you have to be, your signal should be high enough above what's called the noise floor, which is like the tape hiss or the ambient room noise or whatever, so that you can, uh, it, it either overpowers it to the point where you can't hear it or you can gate it out later. So you start there, but once you have all of your good, your tracks recorded, and I, I'm still shooting for kind of the same level recording as mixing, which is in the neighborhood of minus 18 dbfs um, db full scale which uh which is kind of like just it's kind of a standard um traditionally and uh what i do when i get tracks in so here's my gain staging process i get all my tracks in and i put them into my template and i have the first plugin as an insert on all of my tracks um is a is a channel stripped plugin with a vu meter right and i use it as a trim plugin and what I do is I, I just kind of put the song on a loop where all of the things are playing and I just go through, you don't even have to listen to it. I can just watch the meter and just, I go through and make sure that that the meter is between the threes, as they used to say. So it's basically, it's kissing the zero, which the zero is usually set to 18 minus 18 dBFS on a view meter is the zero. So I just, before I even touch any faders, I leave all the faders at unity gain, which is zero. And I go through and make sure that every song, I mean, every track in the song is basically at a good level before I even touch any faders. So the quiet ones come up, the hot ones go down, the hot ones are almost always guitars for some reason, and the kick and the, the snare. Um, so that before I even touch any faders, everything is basically level matched. And then comes the mixing process. So that's a way that I make sure it, it serves two purposes. One, it level matches everything. And two, it, it kind of forces me to go through and check what each, what each track is, because sometimes they're not labeled in a way that I know what it is. So I'm kind of forced to listen to it and put it in its proper place. But that's where I start with gain staging. There's another way to do it, but um, did you have any questions about that or, or comments about that? Um, no, I, not really. The, um, do you have the concept, you know, like in the mix of like, 
uh, IO trims, you know, uh, where you, because minus 18 is really low. It is low. So like if I had uh, minus 18, well, I guess, for example, my, I have IO trims in my, uh, in my Lynx Hilo, mm-hmm. and, which does my, uh, my conversion for me and has my analog outputs. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I'm either running at plus 20 dB or plus 24 dB. And really that, that number is kind of determined by what the uh, maximum headroom uh, of your uh, outboard gear is. So if you have uh, one piece of outboard gear that might be plus 20 and others are, are higher than that, then mm-hmm. you, like you would set your IO trims to plus 20 because you wouldn't want to uh, uh, go over the rating for that that one piece of gear that's in the chain if you're using it. If you're not using it, you could certainly adjust that to, uh, to higher if you wanted. And what that gives you is is a lot of headroom mm-hmm. for uh, uh, for your levels. Yeah. But I don't know that I've ever, when I was mixing, had that kind of concept in digital. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure that if doesn't, plugins... No, that's not something that I look at, really. But I am looking at peaks, too. I'm looking at still peaks no more than, you know, minus six to minus three. I don't want it anywhere near uh, clipping. So that minus 18 is really rms you know the average signal yeah um, although i'm you know i'm i'm on, on the view meter i'm just i'm just trying to get them all to basically the same general level there's another way to do it that i've tried before and it to me it's a little more tedious because you know putting a song on a loop and then just going click you know flipping from track to track and adjusting the the trim so that the view meter hits a certain level there's another way to do it where you reference everything against pink noise so you can put pink noise on a loop on another track, set that to your desired level, like minus six dBFS, and then go through and adjust the volume of each track until you can just hear it over the pink noise. Um, it's a mm. very, it's a different way to achieve basically the same result. And when you mute the pink noise and play it back, you'll, you'll find that you have a surprisingly balanced mix without touching any faders when you do it that way. Like my my VU meter, I don't use pink, but I use uh, a sine uh, a sine wave. Right. Um, I'm trying to remember, like 400. Yeah. Um, I know, and and a thousand, I think, or or maybe it's ten thousand. But uh, and then uh, calibrate that VU meter, uh, which I believe is uh, calibrated at uh, at plus four. Right. Uh, so this is zero. Or no, plus is it eighteen? Now I can't. Now I don't remember. Anyway. Um, I'd have to go check my notes, but uh, there's a, there's a set level that mm-hmm. I set the sine wave at for yeah. output. And then I zero that, uh, I zero both the meters on that, on that sine wave output. Yeah. So uh, ba- it's basically the same way of achieving the yeah. same thing. It can be, it can be whatever you want. It's kind of arbitrary. There's no mm-hmm. like set standard for that. It's, it's what, uh, uh, you want to calibrate it to right. for, for your studio, for your gear. But, uh, yeah, um, I never quite understood the whole plus four, plus ten, or whatever that was. It's like well, that's, pro gear. That's the difference between line gear. and yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 line and line levels, and uh, yeah, pro gear and consumer gear, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which might be uh, that might be balanced versus um, uh, you know unbalanced or or yeah. you know like RCA and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's so yeah so there's a couple other considerations one is that um so what i do is i take my tracks and then i bust them all you know all my drums go to a bus all my and then i kind of balance the buses against each other and that's just part of the mixing process but something else and sometimes what happens is when all of those sum together when they come to the bus then they can be then the bus can be too hot 
and I have to either make adjustments um, at the bus or, you know, at the individual track level. So that's like a second phase of gain staging. Yeah. But I feel like the one that gets missed a lot is, um, especially with these analog plugins and especially with channel strips that have an input output, there's gain staging sometimes within the plugin itself. And maybe you can consider um, compressors where they have a, you know, it compresses, but then there's also a, a makeup gain. So that's kind of gain staging as well, too. You have to watch clipping within um, some plugins like, yeah, compressors, um, channel strips, some of those plugins. And, and, conf uh, and even a little bit more confusing is sometimes those plugins, like I'm thinking specifically of uh, there's a Kramer HLS, which is a Helios console plugin, has an input output. Some of these analog modeling plugins like to be pushed into the red within the plugin. They have, uh, you know, 32-bit float, so they're not actually clipping, even though, like, the clipping light comes on. And what that's kind of indicating is that you're, you're getting more, you know, transformer-style saturation within the plugin, and then you can adjust the output level so that you get the saturation, but you're not overloading the, the actual track. So you what does that watch do that. for you is with regards to like inter sample clipping, um, you know, with a plugin like that, are you actually getting, uh, on sample clipping on those, which, you know, obviously it sounded like you're dealing with, but what about, uh, in between samples? I don't think so. I, I rarely actually push those plugins to do that. Um, I don't like to, <laughs> I don't want to see clipping or red no matter where it is, but. Yeah, um, yeah. It's supposed to. It's supposed to handle uh, if they're well written, which most of the big companies are. There's. It's supposed to handle all of that internally and not actually clip and not actually reach the the limit because it's doing. You know, like I said, thirty two bit float or something internally that keeps it from actually hitting that digital limit um, while still adding more saturation within the plugin yeah. itself. You know what's really important with this is uh, is when you're dealing with clipping is uh like for us we can we can replay this stuff and, and our converters are are good um and they're good enough to where um they'll reproduce uh um stuff that has clipping in it without actually clipping it um oh that's so interesting. it's a, so you need to have like a really crappy DAC <laughs> you know which which your computer is an example of yeah, having yeah. a really most computers have really crappy DACs in them is to not play these back through your interface, but to use your your computer audio, right. or or to uh, uh, you know some other old device that you've got that uh, you know that's just a low you know cheap um, uh, digital analog converter. And by digital analog, that's it's taking uh, your digital signal, whatever, an MP3 or whatever, and mm -hmm. it's playing it out your speakers. Okay, that's that's a, a speakers are analog, mm -hmm. and you know, and so. There's a conversion that happens there where it actually converts the digital audio into an analog signal. Okay. And so that that's what we're talking about. And when that conversion happens, especially on lower quality um DACs, the uh um the clipping can then become really apparent. Yeah. So it's an it's a good way to, if you're not sure, is you know, probably just play it through your laptop or something like that. Yeah. Well, and um, so I have the Apple tool that'll find inner sample clipping okay uh, when you run mp3s or waves through it yeah the and droplet you, or the round trip the droplet yeah 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 um round trip right and um also some plugins will tell you like um, ozone for instance if you put ozone on your bus you can click you can tell it to monitor for inter sample clipping and it will find them and it will remove them yeah 
Well, you know, you've got your your RMS, which will indicate to you your on-sample clipping, and then uh, your peak meters. So like the momentary and peak, you know, if those are in the red, then th that indicates that you're going to have inter-sample clipping, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so you need to look at both uh, both RMS and peak and, uh, you know, to be assured that that you're not getting into a clipping situation. And it's not that it's not that clipping is is a bad thing. And you can certainly have some momentary clipping throughout mm -hmm. your track and not have that be a problem. Um, it is a problem if you're trying to, uh, uh, you know, submit to specification. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but if if if, it, if that's not a concern, uh, you just want to make sure you don't have any uh, longer <laughs> periods of of clipping. You know, where they're really audible because it's it's. Uh, not a, not really a desirable sound in my right. opinion. I'm certainly I, I I I would assume that people are using that artistically if they'd like to, you know. But I don't think that that is um, what would I say uh, like reproducible in the same way across all systems. It's going to sound different depending on the the, the quality of your uh, of your system and its ability to um, its resol its resolution. You know, yeah. so higher resolving DACs may not clip at all. So you may not get that effect um, the same on every device that you listen to. So I have a quick question about that. Uh, some, uh, some, I want to say better plugins will uh, do over, will allow you to do oversampling. That's where it kind of resamples everything and make. And I think that that helps guard against uh, intersample clipping, but I yeah. don't know that it prevents it entirely. But I think there's some uh, with oversampling. There's considerations with uh, producing uh, additional um, harmonics mm -hmm. and and actually changing the tonal characteristics of the of the signal with oversampling. Uh, there's some good videos on this. It's not something that I actually run into or 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 do much with at all. Uh, so I probably shouldn't try to describe it. But <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, with oversampling, you know, and. It, I'm more concerned with downsampling and mm -hmm. um, you know and how, and and dithering and things like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the oversampling I think can can be can be a good thing. Uh, you just want to be careful of the harmonics that are getting created in the oversampling. Yeah, I I've, I think that usually you get higher quality and whatever it is you are oversampling, but it also is harder on your CPU. So you may have yeah. you may not be able to do it depending on what else you have going on in your in your project. Yeah, like with regards to um, oversampling and um, and like Apple Music, they recommend not doing it. Mm. Uh, uh, they it it provides no audible uh, benefit to the to the music, you know. And you're filling if you're when you're oversampling, you're you're filling in um, um, data that didn't exist before, mm -hmm. you know. And so how it does that, I'm not exactly sure, but like dithering, when you're downsampling, you're, you're, you're losing data. Right. And so it, it's filling it in with noise basically, right. you know, and, uh, uh, so that it's not, um, empty, you know, or null data. Yeah. Um, and then the converse is true with, uh, uh, with oversampling because the data didn't exist. So you've got to add something in there. Um, it, I think for me, and, and it's part of, you know, I, I've got this written into my, uh, um, uh, what do you, you know, my information sheet for, for new clients is mm -hmm. that, uh, record at the, uh, resolution that you intend to distribute at, 
you know, right. so it should start, you know, if you want to do, um, you know, 48, um, K then record it 48 K, <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. Know, or, or if you want to do 96, then give up half your channels and record it 96, <laughs> you know? Well, that's a tough one because I'm, I'm starting to see people record at 96, but if they want a CD, then they have to go down to 44 one. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, for CD, um, and that that's there's no way around that. That's no. that's the um, spec. That's the spec. You know, it's it's, it's forty four sixteen bit. You know, so that's what yeah. it is. Um, but I'd much rather uh, I'd I'd much rather go down and uh, and dither than oversample and go up. Oh, that's uh, interesting to know. I mean, I always oversample as I mean, I was sorry. I always dither as a rule when I'm downsampling. Yeah, and I think you should because that can um, uh, really degrade your audio um if you don't dither right right do you i've I've seen a couple of videos on this and uh i don't know if this is true or not do you think that i saw a video of a very well-known producer who claims that he can hear the difference between 48k and 41k and says that he likes the sound of 41k better (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i know you're laughing i feel like that's to me, that sounds like when you're spending 10 minutes tweaking a plugin and you can hear the difference and then you realize that it's in bypass. <laughs> it was all your imagination. <laughs> but I just want to think, you know, can you hear the difference? I mean, CDs still sound me? great. They just I, uh, n- no, not really. I, I mean, uh, you've used the round trip plugin before, right? Yeah, so yeah. have you have you done the auditioning, the A-B auditioning in the plugin? No, but because you're you're going from a lossless wave AB with a compressed AAC format there, mm-hmm. so um, I, I fail that all the time. I go through and and uh, you know I might guess you know two out of ten times which one is which. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Use the plugin and and do that because that's kind of a, a valid test for um, you know what you just posed there. No, I, I don't think I can <laughs> accurately hear the difference between, uh, you know, those two resolutions. Me either. I just wanted to know if you thought there was any credence to that. <laughs> no, I think it's a silly thing to argue about. I've seen um, some uh, videos uh, that are studies at colleges on this, and they've got like a, a, a large sample of people who are coming up and then going through the round trip. Um, and uh you know the 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 ratio of people that that guess incorrectly um is is greater than uh than those that actually uh get it right you know so yeah. I, I i don't think there's a um i don't think there's any scientific uh support for being able to the human ear being able to tell the difference yeah i, I i'm going to agree with that i certainly agree that you can hear the difference between an mp3 and a wave but not 41k and 44 yeah 48k yeah yeah i mean the uh yeah well yeah when you're talking about lossless versus um compressed mm-hmm. uh, th- th- there's a difference there lossy compressed sure. yeah yeah for sure and anyway. so even with that between uh, and to you know to apple on this nice job because the 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 aac conversion is is really good. I'm actually I use it for my samples on my website. In fact, mm. um, I like it so much just because I was convinced after doing all the ABs between waves and not being able to discern a difference 
um, it's a nice file size. And so mm. I just started using those on my websites instead of MP3s because I think they sound better than an MP3. Cool. I will have to give that a listen. Um, I think that one of the things that's important in all of this with gain staging and intersample clipping is to make sure you have a, um, a decent meter at the end of your chain that can detect all of that stuff and that you monitor closely. Yeah, that's that's critical. Um, yeah. I use Insight too. What right. what do you like to use? Um, I'm still using uh, the Ulean loudness meter. Oh yeah, yeah. I got the full version, and so I have that set to AES all the time. Yep, I always like that one. Yeah, it's good. I would recommend that one too. Yeah, I mean, even the free version uh, is is well worth it. Yeah, Insight's not free, but it's it's really it's been really great. I uh, I like it. The other one that's good is the Waves WLM. That's yeah. a great meter. I can see it switching um, to that. Uh, what is it? I have. I still have a free version of it. Yeah, it's the Studio Session Analyzer, which is. Um, it didn't give me the name of the software there. Uh, who makes that? It's it's beautiful. It's probably the most beautiful <laughs> plugin. I do not know. Okay, I'm opening it. Let's see if this. Come on, tell me who the. Oh, Flux. <laughs> Thank you, Flux. Oh, Flux. Uh, yeah, oh, uh, love Flux. It's it's kind of spindy, um, but it's absolutely gorgeous. So for one, if you it, the the whole visual aspect of mm-hmm. looking at Flux is enjoyable, you know. <laughs> so and <laughs> that's uh, important. And I, that's important. it is, and and well, that that means that the metering um, is uh, is laid out well. It's easily understandable, and it's and it's and it's very pretty. You know mm-hmm. the co- the the colors and the graphs and things like that. Uh, I do like it a lot. I didn't buy into Flux because I decided to go with Insight because mm-hmm. I think that might have been a cost decision. Um, yeah. And and Insight wasn't uh, necessarily cheap, but uh, yeah. So uh, I think if you're going to go f- go like free or or uh, donation s- uh, supported, something mm-hmm. like uh, Yulian or Yulene if you're from <laughs> the Midwest, um, and. Uh, and if you want to go paid, then I, I certainly would recommend uh, Insider Flux or WLM. Now the now the Flux that I have is actually one that I uh, back when I had my Focusrite, it was uh, uh, provided as one of the uh, oh. pl- plugins in the collective. You know, so that was like a, a, a kind of a, a sweet bonus. Is probably one of my favorite. Uh, well, uh, that's a that's ones a good I received. Point. Yeah. People should check and see what meters they already have. They may already have something they didn't even realize it, like Doro right. or or something built in like i know there's a lot of great meters already built into logic and i'm sure other DAWs also have good metering that oh, um you may just not even know that you have a really good you know loudness meter intersample peak meter etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah yeah use what at your disposal i've got i don't have my ipad here now but uh my app my ipad works with my uh converter and so i have meters on my ipad for my converter that i can look at and you know so that's built into the hardware that i have so you might have something in your DAW. I don't know if Logic integrates with. I think it would uh, with iPad. Yeah, uh, where you, yeah, because yeah, you you can sidecar. And right. then, well, there's a app you can get called Logic Remote, and you can do you can use your iPad or as a as a um, yeah as a control surface. Oh, nice. Well, there's also sidecar with your iPad that would uh, um, and then you can send your vi- your um, your metering to your mm. iPad for visualization. Oh. Well, and have that cool. on it, which is really cool. And uh, maybe I'll start doing. Um, yeah, check that out. <laughs> so yeah, and that'll use the meter. And since you're on Logic, that's all native. Um, it'll huh. it should all work. Um, cool. Yeah, cool. Hey, I think we're about out of time. <laughs> yeah, we are about out of time. Um, thanks everybody for sticking with us for listening, and 
Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Right. Enjoyed the conversation <laughs> this morning. Likewise. Yeah. Have a good rest of your day. And uh, thanks, everybody. Take care. Have a good week. Yeah, have a great week. Peace.